0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Cast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed, and you can catch us online at sknr.net as we talk all things movies, games, television, pop culture, travel, entertainment, and more. You can catch me each week on BJ Shay's Geek Nation on KSWFM. We have the simulcast on our page. We usually put that up every Friday. Go to Pinal, P-I-N-A-L, central.com, keyword skewed, and you can see our game reviews for the uh, network of newspapers and multiple markets that we do coverage for, and of course, we have skewed and reviewed the magazine. We're currently working on the new issue with the holiday gift guide, and we're syndicated. You can catch us at Sci-Fi Radio, uh, Sci-Fi Radio, and 4G, so many places like that. Now, uh, traditionally, as I said, we have Michael and Justin with us, but this is kind of a little bit of a chaotic time of year. I know lately it's been a little more chaotic because just uh, extra demands on the schedule. We have people being pulled in all kinds of different directions, so it's been a little harder to get time when all three of us are available at time recording. You know, one of those I was just looking at the schedule for the next week and change, and uh, that's pretty crazy, but it is the time of year. So uh, combining the fact that Michael just got a new 4090 uh, graphics card, he is, also, um, he is also tied up with that and attending uh, to some various uh, family situations. And so, uh, you know, busy. Nothing serious, but just busy, busy, busy. And so Justin and I are going to be uh, handling the show today. And I'm going to start off with a little bit of a holiday entertainment news uh, before we get into the entertainment news. And that is Sesame Place. Now, as some of you may not know... Uh, Aquatica, which was the water park that San Diego SeaWorld took over. Uh, they About a year, a little over a year ago, they converted it into Sesame Place, which was a mix of Sesame Street themed lands and entertainment as well as um, water attractions. And so we're getting, it's funny because it seems like we just wrapped up the Halloween stuff, but um, we have a crew going to Legoland to to cover the tree lighting. Uh, Genevieve and I are going to be at SeaWorld next weekend covering their holiday events. And uh, Sesame Place invited a team over. We sent uh, Eric and family over to cover a very furry Christmas. And this is the brand new uh, Christmas event that's going on uh, currently at the park. And some of the things that they have is um, it's a family-friendly celebration. And they have a uh, transformation turning the park into a winter wonderland. So you get things like special Sesame Street themed Christmas shows, a Christmas parade, a dance party, they have the rides, and of course there's games, special merchandise food, all of that stuff. You've got the characters dressed up, and so a lot of interesting things. There's a Christmas tree maze. There's a scavenger hunt, uh, and some of the shows include like Elmo's Christmas Wish. We mentioned the parade. We mentioned the dance party. Uh, Mary sing along and so much more. Of course, some of the interesting things is if you're a fan of Cookie Monster, and let's be honest, I think we all grew up with Cookie Monster. There's Cookie Claws, there's holiday photos with the friends, and they had a fantastic time with it. They went out there uh, with the kids and with um, obviously themselves, had a great time and thought, you know, this was something that was really, really above and beyond what they expected. They thought it'd be Um, good but it just surpassed expectations so we have a few pictures up we have more coming we have some video and then as I said next week we'll hopefully have the stuff on um, Legoland's tree lighting as well as the uh, SeaWorld event to share with you when you get back so really fun stuff there Also, I wanted to start off with our story right now, so Wakanda Forever is the number one film in the country, no surprise, my review is up, I got to see it last Monday, and of course it is uh, doing well at the box office, but it did not do as well as Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, it is the second largest opening uh, of the 2022 season, and we will. Be discussing world box office and um, the yearly box office soon, but um, you know, by all stretch of imaginations, a $330 million opening is a big success. And you know, my big thing is they had a more subdued tone with it. It's not the as over-the-top action spectacle that people might uh, think. Uh, that they're getting with the Marvel film it has a more slow, deliberate pace, I actually kind of compared it to a very loving two-and-a-half-hour eulogy for the late Chadwick Bozeman. And my big question is, I know it's not going to face a ton of competition, uh, but what kind of staying power is it going to have? Because you do have Disney's Strange Worlds coming up, but I think, you know, on one hand, I say, I don't see anything big challenging it until Avatar Way of the Water comes out. Uh, just in your take are you surprised by this or is it about what you were expecting?
1: Uh that's it's it's a good question just because I don't I don't have a I don't I don't I guess it is both surprising and not surprising at the same time just because it's so hard to predict at least in in my opinion now it's it's very hard to predict how well movies are going to do at the box office. Uh it used to be pretty easy. Uh it, it used to be You can kind of tell just by the type of movie it was and when it was being released, roughly how well it was going to do. Um, And most of the time, you'd be right. Um, But we're kind of in a new era now where um, movies kind of—some movies do way better than expected, and some don't uh, do quite as well as expected. Yeah. so it it is interesting, you know, and like you said it's it it is going to be a successful movie in terms of uh it will probably be a profitable movie um you know it it's it's not really the case that it ha but every single MCU movie has to do better than the last one um in order to be considered successful like i do think it will it will make money, but you know i do wonder. You know, there's so many factors now that like uh that determine whether people go to the box office to go see a movie or not. Um, you know, so it's very hard to predict how well it's going to do. Um, and I also wonder too if some of you know, I think certainly uh a, a a huge portion of the audience was drawn to you know the uh, kind of like what you were saying the eulogy kind of kind of aspect to the late Chadwick Boseman. But I also wonder if part of it, you know, part of the, the, uh, uh, the performance is also tied to that specific thing on the flip side and that, you know, he's not in the movie. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of tough. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of a touchy subject in that, you know, he's not in the movie, so he is not exactly a driving force for it. Um, uh only in the sense that like he he is a driving force in the sense that it is kind of a uh a touching tribute to him um but that that can you know that's kind of heavy uh that's kind of like heavy subject matter it's very sad that uh uh obviously that that he passed away much earlier than um than anyone was expecting um so i I wonder if you know some of its performance is tied to that as well uh but you know, like you said, it, it will be successful um, and, you know, it, it's going to have a life, uh, you know, on the streaming services as well.
0: Yeah, and I think it will do well. I mean, I, I don't expect that. And I'm, I mean, obviously, it's going to be profitable because there's still many places for it to be released. It's still going to have several weeks of a run. I think my big question is how big of a drop-off are we going to see from week one to week two? Um, you know, I expect it to still be the number one film, but, you know, as we've talked in the past, Black Adam was the number one film for three weeks in a row, and it still hasn't come close to hitting the number that they had, um uh, what do you call it, a- as the numbers that they expected, and of course... It's always a big deal when a Marvel releases a new film because everybody watches that. And of course, the only thing you can always compare it to is, well, how did the previous films? And I know it's become very fashionable to bash the Phase 4 releases and all of that. But I mean, let's be honest. Thor made almost $800 million, and uh, Doctor Strange was right in that ballpark too, which is not bad. And then you figure in merchandise, home video. And then of course, whatever, uh, profitability comes from, uh, streaming services, uh, you know, on demand pay-per-view and then turning over to Disney Plus. They're wildly successful. And I think it's, it's just kind of telling that it's almost for the Marvel universe. If it's not a billion dollar movie, people have to go, Oh, hey, wait, wait a second. What's going on here? But you also have to factor in if it's not, um, if it's not this 250 to 300 million dollar mega budget, and it's more of a you know a reasonably budgeted film, well then it's profitable, and I think by any stretch of the imagination it is a success. And it, like you said, considering the challenge that the film had, I think the fact that it um, did this well is is fantastic. And I could also see this being one of those films that. At this time, everybody has got a very busy schedule. It's only going to ramp up in the in the weeks ahead. And to be able to say, okay, um, is this the kind of film that people might go and see on Thanksgiving uh, over the long weekend? And i could say, yeah, I could definitely see it being something um, that people will look at. Now, the other aspect of this I wanted to mention to you, Justin, was our local theater, Jane Harkins. Had brought up something that, uh, you know, I, I truthfully on the fringe For those who may or may not know, obviously those of us who work in the media, when we go to movies, it is generally something that we are it's screened for us in the in, the, in advance to get an email notice uh, saying, "Hey, this movie is going to be showing for the press at this time at this place." Um, you know, RSVP, and you show up, you see the movie. Give them your comments on it. Write your review, and then there you have it. Now, not to say we don't go to the movies. I still like to go and you know just be a regular person that pays the money and um, sees a film with the with the public. But that doesn't happen as much now, simply because uh, with the nature of the new world box office, we're still getting a lot of stuff sent to us to stream. There's a huge demand on that, so it's a case of do you stay at home and watch all these streaming things, both television and movies, and then at the end of the year, you also get all kinds of four-year consideration screeners. That being said, uh, apparently, the surge pricing that we know about from ride-sharing that we've heard uh, is going to be it's been put in place at theme parks where more popular days will be uh have a higher ticket price attached to them in order to try to uh mitigate uh the crowds we've heard that certain theaters are instituting a surge pricing on theaters so essentially the way this works is that if the film is expected to be a blockbuster uh they're going to charge more for it and you know a big part of this is probably because the negotiation for any new film is that a certain cut has to go to the studios and you know how much of it I've heard in some cases can be as much as 70 to 80 percent and uh, you know how many weeks and how quickly it drops down uh, percentage-wise this is a very very complicated setup but I guess the new thing now is the theaters are saying well you know for example Black Panther is going to be popular let's charge a buck two bucks three bucks more a ticket than we normally do uh, to see this and Harkins has come out and said we're not doing any surge pricing we're gonna what, what you play for Black Panther is the same price that you're going to pay for any other theater. So wanted to you get your thoughts on this, Justin.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think because of, you know, the aforementioned, you know, I mentioned earlier, we're kind of in a new world where it's hard to predict like how well a movie's going to do. Um, it, It's no, it's obviously no secret that the theaters are still struggling quite a bit. And yeah. this is pretty, Uh, it doesn't surprise me at all that, uh, some ideas are being floated out there to try to be creative. You know, this is when when you're kind of in a new environment, market environment, it makes sense for a business, you know, to kind of like float kind of, you know, new kind of crazy ideas to try to make up the difference of, you know, what was the normal and now what is the new normal. Um, I'm kind of, you know, on its, I, I'm usually pretty open to, um you know, a company making any sort of like, Kind of creative idea to make money um you know I, I i'm generally i'm pretty open to to that kind of thing just because you know i understand that in the position of a company in order to survive a lot of times they, they they have to like come up with something um you know something new they can't a lot of times they can't uh continue with the status quo um so i'm i'm usually pretty open to uh to entertaining those kind of ideas, uh, at least at first, um, you know, at least to like kind kind of test it out. Um, my kind of initial reaction, though, to this idea of charging different prices for uh different kinds of movies, I'm I'm not I'm not, I'm not really quite sure yet how how I feel about that. I mean, we do kind of have a a, a um a version of that now because of uh the price very, there's price variance but based on time. So if you go uh at a very popular time like Friday night uh opening night usually you know that's obviously a higher price than if you go uh Sunday um you know during the day uh so you know on one hand you know I, I'm kind of mixed on this because on one hand you know there there is precedence for price variance based based on a criteria so they're just basically saying you know we're gonna change the criteria the. I guess the question comes to how, what, what is the price going to be? So if like the price to go see a movie opening night on Friday night, um, is like, I don't know, 25 bucks, uh, I I think that might be a little too steep for people. Um, but, uh, you know, if it's, if it's a, a reasonable price, if it's just a little bit higher, then I think people would probably entertain that.
0: It's very, very difficult to figure this out because you're correct. It used to be uh, very straightforward that you could um, expect you had one price during the day, and then after 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock in some areas, you paid a higher price. And, you know, that was just the way things were done. And then, of course, you have other situations where these kind of things pop up. but of course, you know, it's always so difficult to try to pigeonhole it because you have these theaters now that say, well, well, wait a second, we're charging more, but we're using, um, you know, we've got the big wider reclining seats, or we've got the wider screen with this kind of sound system that they don't, and we went to digital projecting and they're still doing this, so, you know, now we're starting to see a little more of a common uh amenities lineup. But it's still a very um goofy thing. And you know, and if you look at this thing here, is I'm looking at a screening uh a ticket thing right now for AMC theaters, and just at one theater alone, well, there's the Dolby Cinema, there's the real three D version, there's the digital version. And I've seen some even go so far as to say that they've got a Spanish language version. They've got one that is uh, in subtitles. And, you know, I, I sit here and I look at these these uh, ticket prices and they have little tags underneath some of them and say, oh, this screening, the 2.30 and the 3 o'clock one are 30% off, but you don't get that at the four thirty one. one. And it's, it's, you know, really, really crazy to try to Make sense of all of this, but just to give you an idea, um, they're sitting here right now for a 430 showing, they're asking $13.29. And you know, truthfully, I would say you're you know, you're out of your mind, that's uh, that's just not kind of a price point that we're used to uh, seeing for movies like this, and you know, a, a comparable thing. Uh, is it's $12.79 for the up to 30% off one. And you go, wow, that's, you know, that's insane. What, who, you know, who's going to pay $13 to see a movie? Uh, when let's be honest, what's the going rate for a matinee? Seven to eight bucks. And so, like, you know, by contrast, I'm looking at Harkins right now, eight dollars. And so if I'm sitting here going, uh, you know, trying to decide and forget the fact about the loyalty Cup with the cheap Drinks because I know they all have their programs. If I'm sitting there and my choice is to go and see the movie at the local Harkins for $8 or going to see it at an AMC theater for 13 bucks, I think you can guess which theater I'm going to go to in order to buy the tickets. And, you know, just so people don't say well, that's just one theater, you know, uh, to give you an idea, Regal is charging $12.26 uh, to see Black Panther. So, you know, it, it just does really surprise. Now, the other factor that some of them will say is, well, they're tying themselves into Fandango, and there's all these different fees and stuff being tacked on. But you can see that's a huge difference. I mean, to me, that definitely sounds like surge pricing. Why is it $13 pretty much too major chains but the other big chain is only charging eight dollars to see the same film and i guarantee you anybody that's gone to a harkins theater they have the big seats they have the amenities they have the very nice digital projection and they have the fantastic sound so it's not like you're um losing anything now the reason i i uh you know go into that is that it leads into one of our next uh topics and that is amc theaters has recently come out and said that basically the biggest problem that they have facing the theaters is not the streaming service, it's not the day and date. Uh, They basically say it's a lack of films. And my take on it is that it's not so much films, it's quality films, because you're coming right back to the same problem that we just talked about. Take surge pricing off the table. If you're looking at a... Casual comedy, a horror film—call it what you will. Are you really going to want to spend eight to thirteen dollars to go rush out to the theaters and see it when some people are still a little unsure about going to theaters still? Uh, If it's a big event film like Top Gun, Maverick, or Avatar, or you know the latest Marvel release, you can see it. But you know, there's another part saying, "Well, wow, eight bucks, you know, ten bucks, thirteen bucks—that's almost." Uh, in many cases, that's a month of streaming and then sub, depending on which service you use. Your take on that, Justin?
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's a it's an oversimplification. I think of the problem. I think they're they're right in the sense that um, there are a lot of movies that just don't get released in theaters, um, so they just they just end up they're streaming exclusive, uh, like you said. You know. Um, a lot of comedies, some horrors, a lot of dramas, a lot of like kind of smaller indie movies. They don't even really show up in theaters anymore. So from, yes, they're right in the sense that from their perspective, there are a lack of movies because there just aren't as many movies being released in theaters. But I do think the bigger, deeper problem is quality movies. I think you absolutely hit uh, hit the nail on the head there. Um, there just aren't as many uh movies around that draw people to the box office. So, you know, you have this new environment where there's two platforms, right? There's theaters and streaming, and a lot of movies shifted over to exclusive streaming. Um so that's one problem. Um and what's left is um you know, the movies that do end up end up at the box office are movies that should be driving people to go see them in the theaters and there's just, there aren't really enough of them to make up the difference now. Um, Like you said, you know, there's a lot of movies that release in theaters now and it's, you have movies where they're, they are high enough quality that they're going to draw people. They're big event movies. They're going to draw people to the theaters. I can speak for myself only that, uh, you know, there's movies I look at and I'm like, that would be fun to go see it in the theaters uh like top gun i went and saw top gun in the theater i absolutely don't regret it it was it was awesome so there's movies where they're going to be uh a better experience in the theaters and you know you're going to have to convince people okay i'm going to have to get in the car i'm going to have to dri- drive to the theater i'm going to have to spend spend a bunch of money but it's going to be it's going to be good enough to uh for the all of that cost um you know so i i think really from the theater's perspective what they what really they need is better you know more quality movies uh more movies in general that's not going to solve their problem you know if a lot of the the indie movies you know get get released in the theaters and um uh on streaming i shouldn't say indie movies if, i should say if a lot of the movies that are of kind of like middling quality uh get released you know simultaneously in streaming and uh, theaters, that's really not going to help the theaters because people are going to go watch, if they're going to watch them, they're going to watch them on streaming.
0: Absolutely. You know, and it's funny too to hear AMC talk about this when uh, one of the articles I saw said that they were aggressively expanding on uh, things like an AMC branded credit card, pop, putting their popcorn in supermarkets, laser projectors, large format screens, and so on and so forth and a revamp of the Stubbs uh, A-List program, and so on and so forth. So, you know, it, it is interesting Um see how that goes. And I expect when CinemaCon hits uh, next year, we'll have more information on that. I always uh, enjoy the coverage. Got to go uh, last year. I'm going to make sure that I get at least a day or so in this year around the team coverage. And I'm really curious to see what they have. Now, one thing that we're expecting to see there, and... For those who don't know, it's a big trade show where they uh, come out and they show off a lot of stuff that's coming in the near future. Uh, for example, the, the show last year, we got to have a look at some of the, or the last show, we got to have a look at some of the things that were coming, including the new animated Spider-Man film. We saw some footage from that. And uh, recently we found out that Godzilla vs. Kong, uh, the sequel is in the works, and that we now have a title and it's gonna be Godzilla and Kong. So we're hoping we're gonna be getting a look at the film soon. And uh Justin, what do you take of this?
1: Yeah, so uh I've been pretty, you know, enthusiastic about the the Godzilla and well I guess I guess Godzilla and Kong movies from Legendary. Um I think most of them have been pretty good. Uh uh, you know, I, I come from a background, I really like the the I grew up on the Godzilla movies, so kind of a nerd for it but uh i think they've been mostly pretty good i i I think honestly one of the ones i i thought was maybe the i had the most mixed feelings about was godzilla versus kong uh but you know it was still entertaining enough and you know we knew that a that a sequel was coming uh with it being called godzilla and kong obviously that's heavily implying they're really not going to be fighting in this one they're going to be teaming up uh, so the speculation really, I guess, begins with like what, who are who are they going to be teaming teaming up against? Like, what is going to be the big, the big bad, the big villain? Uh, that's going to drive people to watch the movie, watch them both, uh, fight. So it's got to be someone you know that's, uh, you know, sufficiently big to kind of like, uh, justify you know both of them, uh, teaming up. Uh, so they already did Mecha Godzilla, which is a big one. You know, that's a big fan favorite. Uh, which kind of leaves, you know, uh, who's left? So they've got like Gigan, who's pretty big. You know, they could do Ghidorah. I think they've actually even uh teased uh, like a a Ghidorah uh return. So they could do like a Mecha Ghidorah thing. Um, you know, so that that's that's definitely a possibility. Uh, I was always, you know, Godzilla versus Biollante was always like my favorite of the old Godzilla movies. So you know, there I always had like kind of a um, a wish that they would do that. I, I, I don't really anticipate that. I, I think that's kind of a long shot, um, at least for this movie. Um, so I guess we'll have to wait and see, you know, what it's about, what the premise is. Uh, but, you know, I'm just happy that this, this, uh, franchise has, you know, been successful enough to give us a number of movies. Um, you know, and e- even, you know, uh, I don't know how much it it, it affected it, but uh, there actually has been sort of a resurgence of of the Japanese Godzilla movies even because they had that 2016 one. And uh, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, they also this week announced um, that uh, Toho is also making another Godzilla movie um, on their side. So uh, if you do like the Godzilla movies, there's definitely um, quite a bit to look forward to.
0: I think what's very interesting is the fact that you consider the last film came out day and date on HBO Max, right in the middle of the pandemic, uh, in, in the middle of a new wave where people were, uh, literally saying maybe this whole thing about opening the theaters and returning to them, this was too soon. Uh, and the fact that you have the Warner Brother Discovery merger where they're slashing anything, uh, that doesn't, you know, High-budget films are getting looked at, television shows. I mean, it's literally a slash-and-burn, money-saving thing, and the fact that they're going ahead with this thing uh, tells you something. I mean, they've come out and said, well, look, we're going to be all in on the big event films, and they kind of talked about how obviously the DC and the Harry Potter films are uh, definitely things that they're basing their uh, future plans on, but uh, no shock here, it's very interesting to see that, uh, you know, Godzilla... And the related characters, Kong, so on and so forth, are definitely uh part of their plans. Now, uh, I want to switch gears and go back to some interesting Marvel stuff. And I do want to stress very, very clearly, this is only a rumor at this time. But it has been uh brought up by multiple, multiple outlets. And uh, we did talk about this on radio the other day. And I obviously felt it would have been... uh a good, it w- would have been a great idea to make sure that we discuss this um, topic, and that is there's a lot of talk about what the future of uh, the Spider Man franchise is, is going to be. There was obviously a lot of talk that Tom Holland is his contract was up, and would he continue with a you know, some of the fan theories were: oh, they're going back to Toby, they're going back to Andrew Garfield, they're going to do this, they're going to do that. Well, now we're hearing. Word that uh, a deal is in the works. It hasn't been finalized, but uh, they believe that it's fairly close to uh, getting hammered out. Where uh, Toby McGuire, uh, excuse me, Tom Holland will be returning for uh, three Spider-Man films, a new trilogy that will be done under the connection with Sony and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and at least two other. Films. Uh, so, essentially, they're saying it's at least a five-picture deal, which would include a brand-new Spider-Man trilogy and other appearances in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which, at this point, people are implying are very likely the um, two Avenger films that are coming up. So, you know, that you can speculate, would they have more than one standalone Spider-Man film out before these who knows? And, you know, some have said, well, what about Venom? You know, it's a possibility that he could appear in that. Who knows? But but Justin's five-picture deal, that's the rumor. What do you think?
1: Uh, honestly, this doesn't surprise me. Uh, I, I was always pretty sure that they were going to figure something out with Tom Holland, especially with how the last movie ended. Um, you know, I'm not to get into spoilers. I mean, it was a movie that came out uh, now, like, what was it, last year? Um, yep. But, uh, you know it didn't it did not end on a positive note for him um so I, I don't think that's where they would leave the character off plus you know at least in my opinion i do think that he is kind of the highlight character of uh the MCU right now uh you know if you really had to pick i mean there was like the core there were the core heroes from uh phase 1 all the way up to end game which was you know tony stark um thor yeah, captain, uh, captain america and you know you could also put hulk in there like that those sure. were the core characters mark ruffalo's hulk um if you had to pick one out of those characters tony stark's uh or uh tony stark was probably the, the probably the highlight one um i do i think he was probably the most popular of them um you know and it's especially with how endgame ended you know he was the one that actually he 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 beat he beat Thanos like he was the one who beat Thanos, uh I so I think that is kind of you know evidence that Tony, Tony Stark was Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark was the the core of of that you know section of movies and I think you know if you really had to pick one to pick one character who's really like the highlight of the MCU right now I really do think it's Tom Holland's uh, Spider Man, um you know obviously he's a very different character than Tony Stark, um but. I think he's probably the most popular, um, and his movies have certainly been very popular, so I do think that Disney had a great incentive to, you know, keep him, keep him on in some regard, so it doesn't surprise me at all, um, that if this does turn out to be true, I, it, the, the only kind of difficulty here was, you know, how, because of Sony, like, how are they going to get them on board, kind of thing, because there's a, there's a rights, uh, legal thing um that sort of like complicates this whole this whole deal but uh i think that they they were always going to figure something something out with this character just because of how important he is i think to the mcu um you know so i can definitely see you know there's definitely a, enough content the spider-man enough, enough villains enough story that they can do another trilogy kind of leave him off on a on a on a brighter note um you know a, a better kind of a better conclusion for the character as it were and you know have them, you know participate in the big event film so um so yeah that definitely makes sense to me
0: well it definitely is the way things are going to have to go because as you pointed out the right situation uh Marvel has the rights to all of their characters back with the exception of Spider-Man and they have an agreement with uh, Sony to essentially show the character um, production so for example when sony does the spider-man films it's done with with the collaboration of marvel the uh and you know marvel studios Kevin by so on and so forth so it fits into with what they're doing and then he of course uh, he being tom holland can appear in the marvel cinematic films this has been a big success for them you look at some of the other things and you go okay well you know venom successful but you know so on and so forth. We're going to see how they do with Kraven the Hunter. We're going to see how they do with Madam Web uh, Elmore, Elmorto, some of the others. But, of course, we also saw um, Morbius did not uh, do what they had hoped. And these, of course, were not done with Marvel Studios. So, it, you know, it's in their best interest to keep the cash cow going uh, and continue to use this character um, you know, like that but of course as you pointed out there's the popularity contest and you have a situation where there's a changing of the guard you know you have you still have Hulk in the picture as we saw in um, She-Hulk you still have Thor in the picture and then it gets a little dicey because we're now bringing in all of these new characters and of course you know thankfully um, you're going to have the X-Men coming in we're going to have the Fantastic Four coming in we're going to have Blade coming in. But, uh, you know, someone was asking the other day, okay, so they're doing the Thunderbolts, but who who's going to be in the new Avenger films? And I said, well, you know, you could probably look at it and say Doctor Strange is probably going to be there. I would assume that Spider-Man's going to be there. Uh, and then, of course, you know, well, probably Thor is going to be in there. And then, of course, you start moving down the line, but then you start to really get problems because we've already been told that the next film is probably the last incarnation of the Guardians of the Galaxy in that format. Uh, Not that some characters might not carry over, but, you know, it gets complicated. Are you going to see Shang-Chi in it? Possibly. Benedict Wong, okay. But, you know, you do get to a point where you have to restock the cover because, as you brought up, Justin when you lose Tony Stark, Iron Man, when you lose uh, Captain America, those are two big characters you need to fill the role. And you can throw in, um, you know, people go, well, what about Scarlet Witch? My response is, well, what about Scarlet Witch? I mean, you know, in Multiverse of Madness, she wasn't exactly in the best of places when the film ended, so we don't know if she's going to be wanting to take up the hero cause. So essentially... They're in a situation where they're having to build up a new Avengers team. And, of course, that happened in the comic books. Nothing out of the ordinary there. Obviously, Captain Marvel is going to be into the mix. You might even have Miss Marvel in the mix. Uh, Ant-Man will be in the mix. But, as you said, you still have to look to include more characters. If you look at Endgame, we pretty much had the entire Marvel lineup in the place. And we're going to need to see that. And that is, you know, kind of where this complicated situation happens. And it's a lot easier to say, Spider-Man, there's your continuity. There's your connection. It's a popular character on his own. He's popular in an ensemble. We have an actor who's doing very well in the role. People like him. That everything he has touched has been very successful. Let's just keep it. He wants to do it. We want to do it. Let's just keep it going. So good news on that regard. Final thing I wanted to add is a little bit of gaming news. I had a couple of things that popped up last week. I wanted to uh, highlight them. Uh, Warner Brothers Games and Turtle Rock Studios have announced that the next major expansion for Back to Blood, uh, Back to Blood, excuse me, uh, the uh, River of Blood is coming, and it's going to feature a brand new story campaign uh, with an enthralling five map mission. Now, this is a really big deal because There had been a lot of content released for it, but we had not had any real story expansion until the previous DLC, and it took a while to get to that. That was a very big five-map mission. It was quite comprehensive, and it was like, wow, this is a lot of content. And the fact that they're releasing another uh, content so quickly after Children of the Worm. I mean, if if you remember, the previous one was Tunnels of Terror, and that was essentially the same map now they had underground areas. We get Children of the Worm, which had a whole new uh, faction to deal with. It had all these new monsters. And then on top of it, you had all these new missions, maps, and locales. And the fact that we're getting one of those again so quickly, I thought was some fantastic news. And then, of course, uh, for collectors, you have the Atari 50th anniversary celebration, where you have uh, many of the classics from the Atari 2600, 5200. Uh seventy eight hundred of the Jaguar, the Lynx home system. Obviously it's not all of them, but you have some arcade versions, you have some of the console versions, you have some remastered versions, and then there's some secret games that are not uh unlocked yet. You have to do certain things in certain games to unlock them. Uh it's a nice little uh retro collection, that's for sure. Uh any take on either of those, Justin?
1: Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to checking them out and try, trying them out.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting because, you know, we're getting to that time of year where people are starting to look and say, okay, you know, here are the big ones and what's kind of the next thing? We're all, you know, oh, what's coming up? we got the Callisto Protocol. That's going to be exciting. But, uh, you know, I've been sailing through uh, Modern Warfare 2 and then, you you know, when is the sale for the PSVR going to happen online and all this stuff. So it's it's an intriguing time, that's for sure. And so for this bit of DLC to come out, I just thought it was fantastic news uh, from the beginning. And that's going to do it for us today, folks. I hope you have a very uh, great rest of your weekend. And I hope you have a very safe and uh, prosperous week ahead. And we'll talk to you very soon. Until then, take care. Be well.